Hi, this is Chris Finch. I'm lead pastor of City Walk Church. I want to thank you so much for listening to this podcast. If you don't already know, the best way to stay connected with City Walk Church is with our app. Just go to your device's app store and search City Walk Church to find it. Whether you've been a longtime follower of Jesus or you're just investigating faith, our hope is that this message will help you take your next step in that journey. If you're in the area, we would love to have you come join us in person. For more information or to plan your visit, check us out at citywalkchurch.com or on social media at WeAreCityWalkCA. Wonderful Life's one of those movies that probably you've watched a million times, and that uh, scene right there, if you haven't watched it, sorry to spoil it, that was the last scene of the movie, and, and that's kind of a classic scene in, this, in the movie, and it's one of those classic Christmas scenes from different movies that we like, but if you've watched this movie, you know that, man, as good as it was at the end of the movie, and as, as special as that moment was, and as George Bailey, the guy that was kind of the main character throughout the movie, you know, as, as great as it was to have his family and just everything worked out at the end, most of the movie didn't play out like that. In fact, if you watch this movie, you know that George grew up and he was kind of a young man that had a lot of aspirations as a kid. He, he was a big dreamer. He had big plans. But he was a guy that as he got a little bit older, life kind of went faster than he expected it to go. And because of some small disappointments that led to bigger disappointments, things didn't play out the way he had planned. And in fact, as he got into life and as he got a few decades down the road, he realized that, you know what, all that he had planned, all the big dreams that he had, all the things that he looked forward to as a kid, man, none of it played out. The story didn't play out the way he thought. And there's a moment in the movie where he goes from some disappointments to desperation to to even hopelessness in the midst of what was supposed to be a wonderful life with a lot of great things and a lot of great dreams, but things just never played out the way he thought. The way he thought, the things that would bring him fulfillment, the things that he was shooting for as a young man and even as a kid, none of those things played out. All those things that he put his hope in just didn't work out. His life was, in many ways to him, at points in this movie, kind of a disappointment. And he was frustrated at times. He was embarrassed at times. He was hopeless at times. And and maybe as you sit here preparing for Christmas, you can relate a little bit. Whether it's right now in your life or at least a time, there's been a time in your life where you may say, you know what, I've kind of felt that way too. Things haven't gone the way you pictured they would. The relationship that you leaned into isn't there anymore. The career path that you had laid out, it didn't work out exactly the way you thought. The perfect family that you thought you would have, it's a lot more messy than you planned it to be. And maybe you find yourself kind of in that spot. And here's the good news. If all of those crazy things hadn't happened to us in life, if we hadn't had some things go bad when we thought they would go one way, we wouldn't even need Christmas. 
if every life played out like the Hallmark movie says it does, then we could just close up shop tonight and go home. But, but you, you know that's not true, because yeah? we've all experienced those times in our life where it just doesn't go the way we planned it. It's not fulfilling the way we thought we were going to be fulfilled. And, and the message of Christmas is never about a perfect life. The message of Christmas doesn't promise fulfillment. It doesn't promise comfort. It doesn't promise uh, that things are going to go even well. It's actually the message of Christmas is much bigger and more important and more impactful than that. See, the message of Christmas is about hope. It's about healing, and ultimately, it's about salvation. And whether you grew up in church or not, or whether you're somebody that maybe you were invited tonight, maybe you've gone to church at some point in your life, you've probably heard a passage by a doctor named Luke about the Christmas story. Maybe you heard the passage at a Christmas play that somebody talked you into going to, and you had to... Yeah, like the family, like your nephew was in it, so you're like, I got to go. I know it's going to be rough to watch a bunch of four-year-olds do this play, but I'm going to go to it. And we've all been to those places, and, and maybe you heard this passage there, or maybe you heard this passage when you were a little kid and you were, you were tuning into the Charlie Brown Christmas special. And you heard this passage, but probably no matter where you are as it relates to faith, you've heard this passage that Luke, a doctor, kind of talks through and writes. And it's a passage that really helps us understand, man, what is Christmas all about? What is the hope of Christmas? And if you have your Bible, if not, you'll, you'll see it up on the screen in Luke chapter 2. He, he begins talking about the meaning of Christmas and kind of laying out the, the, what the first Christmas was by introducing us to a young couple. It says this in verse 4 of Luke chapter 2. It says, Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was the, of the house and family line of David. To be registered along with Mary, who was engaged to him and was pregnant. So you, you've, again, whether you grew up in church or not, you've heard about Mary and Joseph, and they, they had to go to Bethlehem because there was a census being taken, and everybody kind of had to go back to their home area to be counted. And so Mary and Joseph, they're headed back to Bethlehem so that they can be counted. And it says this in verse 6, it says, while they were there... The time came for her to give birth. So this obviously probably wasn't the most convenient time for them. But if you're a mom, you know when it's go time, it's go time. No matter where you're at. And so Mary probably would have not rather, she would have rather not have been on a, like a long trip to a place she wasn't kind of familiar with. But that's where she found herself when it was go time. And so Mary in Bethlehem has this little baby. And it says this in verse 7. Then she gave birth to her firstborn son, and she wrapped him tightly in cloth and laid him in a manger because there was no guest room available for them. And so Luke, he, he introduces us to this 
young couple. He talks about how they go to Bethlehem and how Mary is, is ready to have her baby and she has her baby and this is Jesus. But then what he does in the next few sentences is he talks about these shepherds that are kind of outside the city and and an angel comes to them and tells them, hey, there's been a, a baby born that's a really important baby. It's God's son. His name's Jesus. And and this this group of shepherds, if you were here with us at, at church last week, we talked a little bit about them. This group of shepherds, they're they're just out there doing work. They don't they're not expecting this, but all of a sudden they get this message from an angel that there's been this baby born. And here's what the angel said to them. And this is where no matter where you are as it relates to faith, no matter if you grew up in church or not, I would encourage you to lean into these next couple verses. I would encourage you to lean into what the angel said to these shepherds because it really gives us a picture of what the the hope and real message of Christmas is. It says this in verse 10. But the angel said to them, don't be afraid, for look, I proclaim to you good news of great joy that will be for all people. And maybe as you read that, and as you maybe have heard that, whether you're a follower of Jesus or not, you've heard this passage before, and you Maybe as you read that and you think about these words, they, they don't sit well with you. Maybe for you and your spirit, there's a little bit of pushback. And, and as, you, as you read this and you say, oh, the angel said to them, don't be afraid because I proclaim to you good news. Maybe for you, as you've been around religious people, you haven't heard a lot of good news. Maybe for you, you say, you know what? When I'm around religious people, I hear angry news. I hear judgmental news, but I don't hear a lot of good news. And maybe you read this, this for all people thing, and you think, you know what? Some of the people that I've been around, maybe you've even been hurt by the church, you would say, you know what? Is it really for all people? Because some of the people that I've been around, that they, if, I, if I look a certain way, if I vote a certain way, if I, if I, if I kind of check enough boxes, then, then it's for me. But, but people that I've been around made me feel like, you know what, if I don't do all these things, then maybe this good news isn't really good news for me. Maybe it's for a select group. And the angel and really the message of Christmas is that this good news, it's good news for all people. It's good news of great joy for all people. And the angel goes on and he talks a little bit more about what the good news is. Look at verse 11. Verse 11 says this, today, which that's an important word, because sometimes people say, hey, there's some good news, but you got to wait a while. Oh, the the, the check's in the mail. The, The good news is coming. But the angel said, no, 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 this good news, you don't got to wait for it. Today, in the city of David, a savior was born for you. It's personal. Who is the Messiah? The Lord. So shepherds today in the city of David, which for them was just a few miles away, right out, they were right outside the city. A savior. Not a, not a self-help guru. Not a good teacher. Not a political leader. A savior. A deliverer is born. 
today for you. And he's the Messiah. He's the one that these people had been waiting for for literally hundreds of years. Today he's been born. And and, and let me say the obvious. There's no need for a savior if there's nothing to be saved from. When I was in high school, my senior year summer, I did two very big things. One, I got a tattoo that I thought I'd hide from my parents for the rest of my life. That lasted two weeks. Got a little bulldog right here. It was just the cheapest thing that was appropriate in the tattoo parlor. So I uh, got that. That was kind of a big deal. It la- like I said, it lasted about two weeks. And then I was like, am I literally never going to have my shirt off at home? Is that, we got to just, so I found a public place, a pizza hut in Lakeland, Florida. Felt like if I was in a public place, they could only yell so much. And then... But here's the thing, and this part isn't in my notes. About four years later, they pay for my little brother to get a tattoo. So you see how parents loosen up a little bit. But, but I, was, I, I got a tattoo. But then the second thing, uh, that summer, I was a lifeguard at a, at a little local camp, a uh, little, little Christian camp in, in town. And, and being a lifeguard is not like Baywatch. It actually is pretty boring. Being a lifeguard is an extremely boring job. And it was. It was an extremely boring summer except for one day. For one day, and and this is my oldness, I felt like David Hasselhoff, the Baywatch guy. And some of you are like, no, wasn't that Zac Efron? That was in the new one, but the old one. But I, I felt one day, because one time... There was a little boy, and maybe he might not have really been needed to be saved, but I was looking to do something. But he looked like he was struggling. He went down a slide or jumped off something, and I can't remember. It's been a while. But he was struggling, and so I, I jumped in, and I kind of grabbed him and, and made sure he was okay. And, and literally, that was my one big moment all summer long. And the reason it was so boring was because nobody else needed to be saved, which I'm sure the camp director liked, but being a lifeguard, you like a, a couple times, man, come on. But no one else needed to be saved because obviously you're going to jump in to save somebody that needs to be saved. You're not jumping in if they don't need to be saved. And here's the thing. The reason a savior was born is because you and I need saving. You're like, oh, that's kind of offensive, but is it? I mean, is it really that offensive? Does anybody really think they have it all together? Like we can pretend on Instagram and Facebook, like we can make it look good, but you go to bed at night, you look up at the ceiling, you know what's going on in your heart. Does anybody really have this idea that their life is perfect, that they don't have any issues? Of course not. And, and so and Matthew said it this way when he talked about Jesus being born. In Matthew chapter 1, he said this, She will give birth to a son, and you are to name him Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. See, you and I have a problem. You're like, Chris, I have a lot more than one. Me too. But here's the problem I'm talking about. We have a problem. It's called sin. See, you and I have sinned. We've disobeyed God. We've gone our own way. When God had had a way, we decided we didn't like his way. And so we've kind of gone our own way. 
And here's what we know. No matter if you grew up in church or not, no matter if you're a person of faith or not, here's what we know just by living. Sin is destructive. Some of you have been deeply hurt by people in your life because they have chosen to do things not God's way, and you have been hurt by it. And if we're honest, we've hurt other people because in our life, we've chosen to do things not God's way. And and so we know that sin is destructive. And not only does sin hurt people, but our sin, it actually separates us from God relationally. It's a barrier between us and God relationally. And, And here's what we needed. In order for our relationship with God to be restored, we needed a Savior to pay for our sin and deliver us from its power. About the same time that Luke was writing what he wrote about that first Christmas, another guy by the name of John was writing an account of Jesus's life. And John wrote a passage of scripture that is probably the most popular, well-known passage of scripture in the whole Bible. John chapter 3, verse 16 and 17. This is what John said. John wrote this. He said, for God so loved the world... He loved the world in this way. He gave his one and only son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life. Look at verse 17. I love this next verse. This is the verse that maybe you haven't heard. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. See, Jesus didn't come into this earth. He didn't come to earth with a scowl and a hammer. He he didn't come to earth to, man, to angry at you and ready to bonk you over the head every time you messed up. He he came with a life raft. He, He didn't come to condemn the world. John wrote this. He came to save the world. See, this little baby that we celebrate at Christmas, this baby grew up. This baby at the age of 33, now an adult, was praying with some of his friends in a garden. Over that 33 years, Jesus, who is the baby we celebrate at Christmas, as he grew up, he never once sinned, which probably was annoying for his brothers and sisters to literally live with someone that's perfect. You probably have a brother or sister that thinks they're perfect and thinks they know it all, but to actually have one that does, that would be tough. tough. But, but Jesus, he lived 33 years. He's out praying in a garden with some of his followers. And you, you know the story, whether you grew up in church or not. While he's praying, a group of soldiers come and they arrest Jesus. See, the religious leaders, they hated Jesus, and so they wanted to kind of stop him. So they arrested him. They put him on trial that night. They brought in false witnesses to lie about him because all they wanted was him eliminated. They didn't care how it happened. And after putting him on trial and after humiliating that night, they turned him over to kind of the professional killers, the Romans. And the Roman soldiers took Jesus, and we we talk more about this later in the year at at Easter, but they took Jesus, this 33-year-old man who had come to save this world, who had never sinned. They took him, and they beat him, and they put his body, they nailed him to a cross. 
And it was on that cross that Jesus bled and died. He didn't bleed and die because he deserved it. He wasn't paying for his own sin. He did that for you and for me because someone had to save us from our sin. And because God loved us so much, he provided a savior. He provided someone to come pay the penalty, the penalty that we deserve. He, he came and he took that penalty for us and he took the obstacle which was sin that was separating us from God and he removed it by paying for it. Then they put Jesus' body in a grave and three days later Jesus got up from the grave. And as we kind of move into this next few days and, and we talk more about Jesus and we celebrate Christmas, however you do that with your family. No matter how old you are, no matter where you find yourself as it relates to faith, I want to ask you a question. It's a pretty personal question. Here's the question, because what Jesus did is he provided us a gift he provided us the opportunity to have a relationship with God. He took care of what was holding us back. He took care of our sin. So here's the question. Have you said yes to the gift of a relationship with God? Think about it. And maybe immediately as you think about that question, you might say, well, I go to church. Uh, my, my parents, I think they're followers of Jesus. I, I got baptized, I think, when I was a little baby. I think my mom and dad, they even showed me some pictures. I, I got baptized when I was a baby. That's not, I, I didn't ask you any of those things. My question, just simple question, personal question. It's this question. Have you said yes to the gift of a relationship with God? Personally, have you? Not has your parents, not has your grandparents, but have you personally said yes? Think about it. Maybe for you, you're like, you know what, Chris, now that you put it that way, I'm not sure. Like, how would I do, if I was going to do that, how would I do that? Real simple. First thing you need to do is you need to be willing to admit you need to admit that, you know what, God? I have disobeyed you. God, I have gone my own way. God, I have sinned. I admit it. I need a Savior. Like there's a, maybe, a, maybe there's been a time in your life where you actually thought you didn't need a Savior. And, and you got to come to a spot where you'd say, yes, between me and God right now, God, I admit I need you. I have sinned. I've disobeyed you. I need a Savior. Admit. And the second thing is you have to believe. Like, what do I need to believe, Chris? Do I need to know the whole Bible? Do I, what do I need to believe? You need to believe that when Jesus died on the cross and rose from the grave, that he did that for you. You, you need to believe that he did that for you. And then the last thing is you, you just need to call. You need to call on him. You need to call out to God and say yes to the relationship. God, Jesus is providing a relationship with you. He took care of my sin. He took care of what was in between us. 
So yes, you're offering me this gift. I want to say yes to that relationship. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes. As we begin to close down our service, we have a couple special things right here at the end. With everybody's head bowed and eyes closed, I want to ask you this question again. The question is simple, and it's a great question to think about on, at this Christmas time. It's simply this. Have you said yes to the gift of a relationship with God? Have you? If you're here this evening and you say, Chris, I have not, or I'm not sure if I have, but tonight I want to. Tonight, a couple days before Christmas, I want to say yes to the gift of a relationship with God. Well, I want to give you an opportunity right here as we begin to close out our service. Would you just, between you and God, would you just admit to Him, your heart to Him, just say, God, I admit I've sinned. Just tell Him. I admit I've sinned. I, I admit I've gone my own way, God. I admit that. Just tell Him, between you and God. And then just tell Him, God, I believe. Put it in your words, your heart to His. God, I believe that when Jesus came to earth, he died on a cross and he rose from the grave. I believe that. I believe he did that for me. Just tell God. And then just call. Say, God, I, I want to say yes. I want a relationship with you. Come into my life and save me now. Just tell God. With every head bowed and every eye closed, maybe you're here and you'd say, Chris, man, I, I want to do that. I, I didn't while you were saying that, but would you just quickly go through that again? Yes. With every head bowed and every eye closed, if tonight you want to say yes to a relationship with God, just between you and God, just tell God, God, I, I admit to you, I need a Savior. I admit I've sinned. Just tell Him. And then just tell Him, God, I believe. I believe that Jesus died on the cross and rose from the grave for me. I believe. And then just call. God, I, I, I want to say yes to the relationship with you. Would you come into my life and save me now? With every head bowed and every eye closed, nobody's looking around. If you're here tonight and you would say, Chris, tonight... As you prayed out loud, I prayed and I said yes to a relationship with God. If that's you, would you just, with no one else looking around, would you just slip up your hand around this auditorium? You said yes. You said yes to a relationship with God. All over the auditorium. You can put your hands down. If tonight you said yes, we would love to call you after the holidays and, and just celebrate with you, see if you have any questions. And you can let us know that you made a decision by just filling out that decision card right in front of you and then just dropping it in the offering basket on the way out. This decision of saying yes to the gift 
of salvation is the most important and eternal decision you will ever make. And what better time to make it than when we celebrate our Savior's birth. Lord, thank you for providing a way for us to have a relationship with you.